Mom and dad absolutely loved to dance, and they were known as the best dancers in Washington. In this city, it was not uncommon for the dance floor to clear the moment they stepped onto it hand in hand. They were that good. In the late 70s in Arizona, they actually took lessons in disco dancing. <laughs> Quick survey of the justices of the Supreme Court here with us today. Raise your hand if you have received technical training in disco dancing. That's what I thought. My mom is the first person on the Supreme Court with technical training in disco dancing. That was Jay O'Connor eulogizing his mother, Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, December 19th, 2023, at the Washington National Cathedral. You probably know Sandra Day O'Connor was the first female justice on the Supreme Court. But did you also know she was skilled at disco dancing? That's one of 14 things you may not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor. Quick quiz. Can you name all 14 things you may not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor? If not, you'll simply have to listen to this episode of C-SPAN's Podcast The Weekly, because you'll hear all 14 things you may not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor. Hi, this is Rachel from C-SPAN's podcast team. And before we get to this week's episode, I'd like to introduce you to one of the producers here at C-SPAN, my colleague, Sean. Thanks, Rachel. If you're a fan of The Weekly, we think you'll also like our evening newsletter, Word for Word, which brings you a recap of the day's most important political and policy events delivered right to your inbox. Read about what happened on Capitol Hill and at the White House and watch video highlights featuring the day's newsmakers. Hear them word for word. Join our community of informed listeners and viewers. Head over to cspan.org slash connect and subscribe to Word for Word today. Thanks for listening and staying connected with Word for Word. Subscribe now at cspan.org slash connect. Thank you. You heard about Sandra Day O'Connor's love of dancing from her funeral service at the Washington National Cathedral. That was number 14 on our list of things you might not have known about her. For number 13, we'll stay at the National Cathedral, but go back nearly 20 years earlier. On June 11, 2004, she participated in a funeral service there for the president who nominated her for the Supreme Court, Ronald Reagan. This is a reading from a sermon delivered in 1630 by the pilgrim leader, John Winthrop, who was aboard the ship, the Arabella, on his way from England to the Massachusetts Bay Colony. The city on the hill passage was referenced by President Reagan in several notable speeches. Now the only way to provide for our posterity is to follow the counsel of Micah, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. We must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work as members of the same body. The Lord will be our God and delight to dwell among us as his own people. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. Ronald Reagan died on June 5, 2004. 
A week later, on June 13, 2004, Sandra Day O'Connor spoke about Ronald Reagan when she gave the commencement address at Stanford University, and she mentioned the city on the hill that she spoke about at the National Cathedral. One of the most important bridges that Ronald Reagan built during his time as our 40th president has gone largely unmentioned in this week of reflection. It was a bridge to equality, one that made it possible for a much wider range of willing Americans to build their own bridges as public servants. He laid an historic stone in that bridge with a decision that had a uniquely powerful impact on my life. Just seven months after taking office as president, he nominated the first woman to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now that woman was me, a cowgirl from Eastern Arizona. And his decision was as much a surprise to me as it was to the nation as a whole. But Ronald Reagan knew that his decision was not about Sandra Day O'Connor. It was about women everywhere. It was about a nation that was on its way to bridging a chasm between genders that had divided us for too long. President Reagan's overarching goal was to help us work together to achieve an America that was a beacon of light in a world of darkness. But he knew that his fabled shining city on a hill could not be achieved if the faces of our public servants did not reflect the faces of our public. We'll stick with Sandra Day O'Connor's 2004 Stanford University commencement speech for number 11 in our countdown of things you may not have known about her, how she got her first job out of law school. My own career in public service was born of necessity. As you heard, after graduating from Stanford Law School, I couldn't get a job in a private law firm and had one contingent office offer of employment as a legal secretary, depending on how well I typed. But the gender walls that blocked me out of the private sector were more, more easily hurdled in the public sector. And my first employment as a deputy county attorney of San Mateo, California. And while I was brought to that position by something short of choice, I came to realize almost immediately what a wonderful path I had taken. I was having a better time at my job than were those of my classmates who had opted for private practice. For number 10, we'll hear from Chuck Grassley. The Republican senator from Iowa cast his first vote for a Supreme Court justice for Sandra Day O'Connor. It was September 21st, 1981, and you might not know that he is the only remaining senator still in office who voted that day. Here's what Senator Grassley told Sandra Day O'Connor at a hearing on August 15th, 2012. You were not only the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court, you're the first Supreme Court justice I ever had a chance to vote for. So oh, I'm for glad. My first, uh, my, my first vote for the uh, uh, confirming somebody to the Supreme Court. And I can say this, that looking back after all your years of service, your performance uh, justified the confidence that the Senate placed in you. By the way, a historical footnote about that 1981 vote, Sandra Day O'Connor's nomination to the Supreme Court was unanimously approved by the Senate. The vote was 99 to 0. Her 99 votes were the most ever received by any Supreme Court justice nominee. And her unanimous vote was the first of the last three times a justice was unanimously approved by the Senate. And they were all Reagan nominees. The other two, 
Antonin Scalia in 1986, and Anthony Kennedy in 1987. Now, back to the countdown. Number nine in our list of things you might not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor, she was mentioned in a nomination acceptance speech at the Republican National Convention. From August 23, 1984 in Dallas, making his acceptance speech as vice president, here's George H.W. Bush. As, as for our judicial system, it's always been my view that the Supreme Court should not be all caught up and involved in the political arena. But since the Democrats made this an issue in San Francisco, let me say that the American people want a Supreme Court that will interpret the Constitution and not legislate. We heard that liberal convention in San Francisco attack the president regarding the Supreme Court. But the record shows that President Reagan's sole appointment to the court Sandra Day O'Connor is an outstanding justice, and that's a fact. Number eight, also from the 1984 campaign, Sandra Day O'Connor also was mentioned in a presidential debate. Here's Ronald Reagan debating Walter Mondale, October 7th, 1984, in Louisville. With regard to a platform in the Supreme Court, I can only say one thing about that. I don't... I have appointed one member of the Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor. I'll stand on my record on that, and if I have the opportunity to appoint any more, I'll do it in the same manner that I did in selecting her. Number seven, George H.W. Bush's son announced her retirement. From the White House on July 1st, 2005, here is President George W. Bush. Short time ago, I had a warm conversation with Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who has decided to retire from the Supreme Court of the United States. America is proud of Justice O'Connor's distinguished service, and I'm proud to know her. Today, she has the gratitude of her fellow citizens, and she and John and their family have our respect and good wishes. Senator Day O'Connor joined the nation's highest court in 1981 as the first woman ever appointed to that position. Throughout her tenure, she has been a discerning and conscientious judge and a public servant of complete integrity. Justice O'Connor's great intellect, wisdom, and personal decency have won her the esteem of her colleagues and our country. Number six, George W. Bush's replacement as president awarded Sandra Day O'Connor the Presidential Medal of Freedom. In fact, she made the list of first medals of freedom Barack Obama awarded in his first year as president, August 12, 2009. When a young Sandra Day graduated from Stanford Law School near the top of her class, in two years instead of the usual three, she, would off- she was offered just one job in the private sector. Her prospective employer asked her how well she typed and told her there might be work for her as a legal secretary. Now, I cannot know how she would have fared as a legal secretary, (laughs) but she made a mighty fine justice of the United States Supreme Court. A judge, a judge, an Arizona legislator, cancer survivor, child of the Texas Plains, Sandra Day O'Connor is like the pilgrim in the poem she sometimes quotes who 
has forged a new trail and built a bridge behind her for all young women to follow. Number five in our list of things you may not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor, she had a high school named after her. Sandra Day O'Connor High School is part of the Deer Valley Unified School District in North Central Phoenix, Arizona. She spoke at the school's dedication February 12, 2003. Thank you. This is a really special day for me. Can you imagine driving up to a beautiful new facility like this and seeing your name engraved across the front? It's quite a thrill, and I can think of no more welcome honor than that which you have bestowed on me to have this beautiful new high school bear my name. I grew up on a cattle ranch uh, in southeastern Arizona. When I was born, my mother wanted to go to a hospital, and her parents were living in El Paso, so she went to El Paso, and that's where I was born. When it came time for me to go to school, there wasn't any school near the Lazy Bee Ranch, and so I went off to El Paso and lived with my grandmother and went to school there. I attended a public high school in El Paso, Texas. In those days, women did not hold public office and no self-respecting high school would have been named for a woman. Uh, In fact, the high school I attended was named for Stephen F. Austin, a great figure in Texas history. So today, in Glendale, Arizona, we have a chance to think about tradition and change about the changes that contemporary society inevitably forces on us. The decision to name this high school for a woman is evidence of the change in attitudes about women that has occurred in my lifetime. Now, granted, I'm pretty old, but it's all happened in my lifetime. Number four, Sandra Day O'Connor once saw someone give himself root canal. She described what happened during her January 23, 2001 appearance on Book Notes, talking about her book, Lazy Bee, Growing Up on a Cattle Ranch in the American Southwest. Was it Jim Brister that you told the story about that uh, he gave himself a root canal? He did. How did he do this? Well, he was the toughest man I have ever seen in my life and probably the most coordinated man I've ever seen. And he could stand pain better than anyone I've ever seen. During the years at the ranch, you can't ride horses all the time and not end up having some broken bones because the horse will fall or you get thrown or something goes wrong. And he had all kinds of injuries, but he never let it stop him. I don't think he ever missed a day of work, no matter whether it was his collarbone broken or what. And one day he came in and he said he had this heck of a toothache. He just couldn't stand it anymore just couldn't stand it. Well, we didn't have dentists within 150 miles of the Lazy Bee. And he got a piece of baling wire. You know, the hay that you'd feed the horses was tied with baling wire, some kind of steel wire. And we'd take that off the hay bales, and my father never threw anything away, so he always had some wraps of baling wire around, and and he got a pretty clean recent piece of baling wire and heated it up on the stove till it was red hot and he jabbed it in his tooth where the root thing was rotten. He just put it in there. My brother was standing right there and you could smell 
the burning flesh and the, it was unbelievable. And he never winced. And he solved his problem. I mean, I, I don't know how people can be that tough. I really don't. Number three on the list of things you might not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor, she witnessed the first atomic bomb test in America, again from her 2001 appearance on Book Notes. Oh, my father and I did. We were rounding up cattle um, on the very date that the first atomic bomb exploded over in New Mexico. And we'd gotten up about 3 a.m., you know how you do for a roundup. And we were in the kitchen. We'd had some coffee and some breakfast in the kitchen. The kitchen window looked north. And I was rinsing off the dishes at the sink. And it must have been about, I don't know, 4 a.m., something like that. And we saw in the north and a little bit east this unbelievable explosion on the horizon and this huge cloud go up. And my father came over and we looked at it and we couldn't figure it out. And I said, what is that? It was warriors. And he said, well, I don't know. He said, maybe it was some munitions dump that went up, something like that. And it wasn't until some time later when it became public knowledge that the first atomic bomb had been exploded up at Los Alamos. Number two, Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman to administer an oath of office in an inauguration. January 20th, 1989, with Vice President Dan Quayle. Raise your right hand. I, James Danforth Quayle. I, James Danforth Quayle. Do solemnly swear do solemnly swear that I will support and defend that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States the Constitution of the United States that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same that I take this obligation freely that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion or purpose of evasion that I will well and faithfully discharge that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office the duties of the office on which I am about to enter on which I am about to enter so help me God so help me God congratulations and a quick historical footnote on that oath Justice O'Connor unintentionally omitted the line that said, against all enemies, foreign and domestic, leading Dan Quayle to do the same. And now, the number one thing you might not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor, she is the first member of the Cowgirl Hall of Fame to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. From her appearance on July 4, 2003, at the dedication ceremony for the National Constitution Center. took a different turn, becoming the first cowgirl to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. And I now find myself riding herd on lower court judges instead of some cattle. And now a bonus clip. We'll stick with the National Constitution Center opening on Philadelphia's Independence Mall on July 4th, 2003, because among the things you may not have known about Sandra Day O'Connor, she was nearly injured while she spoke. Here's how the Associated Press reported what happened. 
The opening of the National Constitution Center, a museum devoted to the United States Constitution, was marred today when a huge wood and steel frame collapsed, injuring several people and narrowly missing Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. The frame, which was at least 15 feet high, slowly toppled as the guests of honor at the ceremony pulled red, white, and blue streamers that were supposed to trigger the drop of a screen at the museum's front entrance on Independence Mall. Instead, the streamers pulled down the frame, which fell on Mayor John F. Street of Philadelphia, Senator Arlen Specter, and other officials. The crowd of 4,000 gasped as the frame came down around Justice O'Connor, who had counted down from three to start the ceremony. That was the AP report. Now, here's the clip. I am honored to be a part of this American portrait, and on behalf of we the people, I proudly ask everyone gathered in this tableau to assist in opening the National Constitution Center. Please pull the ribbons on the count of three. One, One two, two, three. Yes, she said, we could have all been killed, huh? Justice O'Connor lived another 20 years. That's it for this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. The next podcast also will focus on Sandra Day O'Connor, but with a different theme. We'll hear what other Supreme Court justices said about her. Can't wait? Want to get a head start? Simple, just go to cspan.org and search the C-SPAN video library. For now, thanks for listening and happy searching. <laughs>